Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. And this could be a good little heads up from Isaiah of like, oh yeah, when you go through the fire, I'm with you. I'm actually there with you. And whatever fiery furnace you may find yourself in, practically speaking, today, I can promise you this, that same, that same promise made in Isaiah 43 can be applied to your life and to my life today. You're not alone. There will be times in your life of faith that you face a fiery trial. Jesus declared that at some point you will be persecuted or rejected for your faith and allegiance to him. God wants you to know that whatever fire it is that you're facing today, you're not alone. He promises to be there right in the midst of it with you. He may not take away the trial, but He will walk with you, no matter what happens. Stand firm on Jesus and hold on to your faith. As you show your faith in Him, He'll demonstrate His strength in you. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 3 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Because of Nebuchadnezzar's rage, he loses two of his, probably of his best men. Because he lost his head, other people lose their lives. Anytime a leader loses his head, it usually results in other people losing their lives. Which is how it goes. So they get, they get tossed into there. These other guys get burned up. Verse 23, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. And he answered and said, but I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and their appearance, and the appearance of the fourth was like a son of the gods. So here's Nebuchadnezzar, probably sitting back in his little recliner or whatever he's got set up there. He watches them get thrown in, and then his two guys get burnt to a crisp, and then he's looking in as the flames are all around, and he's like, and he hops out of his seat. He's like, hold, hold on, am I crazy or do you guys see a fourth person in there? Because we know five went up, three went in, two went bye-bye, and then somehow there's a fourth guy in the fire. He's like, you guys see that, right? You, I'm, not, I'm not having you know, heat-caused hallucinations or anything, right? Like, you guys see the fourth person. They're like, yeah, no, there's four in there. And they're all just walking around. They're all just hanging out in the midst of the fiery furnace. He's like, and the one looks different than anybody else I've ever seen. He looks like he would be the son of, a, of the gods. That's his way of phrasing like, this fourth person looks different. Now, some people would say that that's possibly an angel in there with him. I happen to believe it's, a, it's, it's actually... Um, Christ, it's Jesus showing up, uh, and he's hanging out in the fire with these three guys. I believe that. 
Um, I wholeheartedly believe that. I don't believe it was an angel at all. I believe it was Jesus in the fire with them. Let me read you this cross-reference real fast from Isaiah 43. It's a good one for you to underline in your Bibles. You can turn there with me. In fact, Isaiah 43, chapter 43, verse 2. So I said verse 2, but let me start in verse 1. It says, uh, this is Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. And he goes on to talk about how he has rescued them and how he truly is Israel's savior. The beautiful thing about that is that applies to to you and to myself. And and it's amazing. He, He was with the children of Israel when they walked through the water. They walked through whatever body of water that was, the Red Sea or some other body of water, he walked through them with it. He was with them through there. He was also with them through when they part, walked across, across a river to get into the promised land. He parted that for them as well. He was with them. And this could be a good little a heads up from Isaiah of like, oh yeah, when you go through the fire, I'm with you. I'm actually there with you. And whatever fiery furnace you may find yourself in, practically speaking today, I can promise you this, that same, that same promise made in Isaiah 43 can be applied to your life and to my life today. You're not alone. And I think if we can learn anything from Daniel chapter 3, which there is plenty to learn in Daniel chapter 3, especially concerning the environment in which we find ourselves today. But the first and I think greatest lesson is you show your allegiance to Jesus, first and foremost. He will be with you, whatever happens. He said to himself, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. But what if they throw us in a fiery furnace? I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. And he was there with these guys. They, they took a stand for what was right. And it was supposed to cost them their lives. And it really, their intent was to actually kill these guys. But they can't kill them if God doesn't want them dead. That's it. Here's the truth about your life and my life. You will not die until God is done with you. Period. Period. But what about this and what about that? Let's not worry about the hypotheticals and all that good stuff. Let's just walk in that truth and walk in that faith that God has an end date set. He was not surprised when your time ceases on this planet. He's not. He already knew it before you were even born. The day you'd be born and the day you would leave this place. For the Christian, it's not the day you die. It's the day you go to sleep. And you wake up in his presence. He's got it already figured out. Now, we like to stress about, nobody cares about that, that first date. We're like, yeah, I'm glad it happened. I showed up. That's cool. And we'll celebrate that every single year. But we worry so much about that end date that we forget 
that the end date could be like, well, when you're 80 years old. The sad reality, especially, and we're seeing this being proven true in America, as we are the most anxious nation on this planet, from the birth date to the end date, all we do is worry about the end date, and we forget to live. We stop living because we're so focused on this day. And God's like, I already have that day figured out. But what if it's tomorrow? Well, then it's tomorrow, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can take all the vitamin D you want. You can take all the stuff you want. You can get whatever shot you want. It doesn't matter because your birth date and your death date have been established before the foundations of the world. Nothing you can do about it. There's nothing we can do about it. Now, don't go and challenge God. You'd be a fool. You'd be an absolute fool to be like, well, you know, well, then maybe I'll just test him by jumping off this cliff. No, don't be a dummy, okay? Because then the Lord's like, well, that's the day I had down for you. And uh, man, you just, you did it. I was hoping you wouldn't, but you did it. Um, Don't do that. Here's what you do. Celebrate the fact that he brought you into this world. You do not exist on this planet unless God had a hand upon your life. That's it. That's it. From the moment of conception, that's when your existence began. That's when it began. Not at this many weeks. Not at this thing or that thing. No, no, no. Conception is when you began. That's your start date. And then that other day, I don't know when it is. You don't know what it is. Be smart. Be wise. Take vitamins because they're good for you. Eat smart, do all that stuff so that you can live the best you possibly can until that day serving the Lord. We're not worried about that day. Can't be worried about that day because you'll fall into the trap that I sometimes fall into that I'm so consumed with dying that I forget to live. You forget to live. Live for God, live for His glory. Stand for him, serve him. Do not pledge your allegiance or your worship or devotion towards anything else other than him, first and foremost. But what if it gets me thrown in the fire? Well, then he'll be there with you. He will be there with you. If it was true for these guys, it's true for you and it's true for me. It may not look the same, but I can promise you this. Our God, he doesn't change. He doesn't change. He's unchanging. And that's, that's beautiful. That's an amazing truth. So let's see the end result here. And then we'll get into some discussion questions. Verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the burning fiery furnace. That's a risk that he's taking. Because remember the two guys who died on top of the hill, right? He is still within the moment that the fire is, is still blazing full blast. Nebuchadnezzar takes a risk and approaches the door. Now, probably the real risk is up top, right? Because all the flames are going out that way. But he approaches the fiery furnace himself. He declares, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. He's like, oh, I think I get it now, kind of. He'll still have many lessons to learn. Come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not, hadn't had any power over their, the bodies of these men, like it didn't do anything to them. The hair on their heads was not singed, 
Their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Now, you know that's a miracle. You know it's a miracle. Have you ever been camping? You leave the campsite. You come home. Everybody who lives in your home knows you've been around a fire because the smell of smoke is all over you. It's in your hair. It's everywhere. Oh, it's a beautiful smell when it's campfire stuff, right? I mean, it's amazing. These guys are like, these guys don't even smell like a campfire. Their clothes are still intact. They still have hair. The fire had absolutely no effect on their bodies at all. They didn't even feel the heat of it. What an amazing thing. Because they knew the fire was real because it burnt up the two guys on top of the hill. So they knew it wasn't some sort of trick. It had to be a miracle. It had to be God. It had to be. Nebuchadnezzar says, what God will deliver you from my hands? And they're like, boom, how about this one? How about the almighty God? How about the God who created fire? How about that one, Nebuchadnezzar? (laughs) How about the God who is over natural law because he invented natural law? I don't know, maybe him. And that's what happened. Nebuchadnezzar is amazed by this, and everybody's like checking him out. You know that as soon as they come out of, the, you know, out of the fire, out of that furnace, that these other guys are like, like touching them. Like, uh, they're, dude, they're not even hot. They're like, they're running temperature scanners over their head, like, you know, we've grown accustomed to or whatever, like 97 point something. Like, they're pretty good. They're, they're not even running a fever. They're all right. No harm, nothing at all. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him, that's the key, and set aside, set aside or changed the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. Well, good lesson for Christians. Are you willing to lay it all down for him? Oh, it's, it might be easy to, it's easy to die for him physically. I mean, that's just like, that just can just happen, you know, sometimes. But to die to yourself daily? Well, there's the challenge, isn't it? Because this is like, yeah, man, throw me in the fire, throw me in the furnace. I'll, I'll do that for God. That may be true. When it, comes, when it comes down to it, if you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, some of those guys go for that, and then some of those guys back out. It may be true for you. It may not be true for you. But the key is this. But will you die daily for him? It's one thing to be thrown into a fire but at the hands of somebody else. But what about taking up that, own, that initiative on your own each and every day to die daily to yourself and making him, keeping him king of kings and lord of lords within our own lives. That's the challenge. <laughs> That's the hard part. That's really hard. The government can totally turn on this nation and be like, look, get all the Christians out. We're going to kill them all. Okay. You know, if that's what the Lord has, and that's what the Lord has. That's fine. That's not hard. What's hard is waking up each and every day in a free country and living completely faithful to him. That's what's hard. That's a challenge. So he goes on to say, verse 29, therefore I make a decree 
any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. This guy still is like, he's a vicious man. Um, there's no really like, you know, he's just like, he's either all in or, I mean, it's just like, he swings from one to the other, basically. And he's like, look, you don't want to worship me? Into the fire you go. All right, now here's the deal. You talk trash about their God, well, then I'm going to tear you apart, basically. You're like, Nebuchadnezzar, I think you need to bring it down a notch. Um, you need to calm down. This is just who he was, though. This is, how he, this is how he ruled. This is how he led. But he is, out of what he saw, he is making sure that other people know, like, look, I challenged them. I challenged their God, and their God won. So my advice, my rule now is don't talk bad about their God because he's legit. He's an actual God because nobody else could have done this. So this doesn't mean that Nebuchadnezzar becomes a believer, but as a ruler, he's saying, we need to pay attention to their God. And out of all these other gods that we have, we need to be paying attention to their God because their God has done something that they had never seen before. He actually rescued his people. And they've not just that he rescued them, he was in the fire with them. None of their Babylonian gods, because they don't exist, but you understand the concept here, none of them, and none of these other false gods that are out here represented on this planet today, none of them would ever step into the fire with you. That's how you know you're deceived. That's how you know you're following a false God. Because if this God over this major religion isn't, is, is so distant from you and you have to be a perfect person to even try to get close to him, he will never step into the fire with you. That can go be true for our Muslims friends. That can be true for our Mormon friends because the God that they worship is not the God of the Bible. He's not. It could be true of our Jehovah's Witness friends because, well, their Jesus is not our Jesus. He's not. Our Jesus doesn't have a brother whose name is Lucifer. Different. Problem with all those other gods and whatever else they may be, whether it's Buddha or Vashti or whoever else, none of those things will ever step into the fire with you, but Jesus will but Jesus will. None of those other gods would ever lay down their lives to die for the sins that you have committed, but Jesus did. Jesus did. Nebuchadnezzar is like, their God is like any, is, is like no other God I've seen. No other God I've seen. He says, you'll be torn limb from limb. Your houses will be laid in ruins and become a dung heap. There is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So what the Chaldeans hated about them, they had to sit there and watch them get promoted again. Why? Because they were faithful to Jesus. They were faithful to God. And they took a stand. When everybody else is taking a knee, they took a stand. And they said, we won't bow down. We will not comply. That's a, fancy, that's a popular term right now, for sure. It may be ap rightly applied in certain situations. We're not, you tell us we are supposed to do this. If that goes against what God has told us or, or conviction concerning God, I'm going to take a stand. 
I'm going to take a stand. Well, if it costs you your life, well, then so be it. It cost me my life. So be it. But I'll take a stand. Our days are growing in such a way that, or going in such a way that Christians will more than, more than ever have to start taking stands. Have to. Gone are the days of passivity within Christianity. Gone. And, and it should be gone. Gone should be the days of Christians hiding out and sitting on their hands and not willing to do, take a stand for anything. Those days are gone because the days are growing darker. And the edicts and the mandates and all the stuff are going to be coming in waves. And I'm going to tell you this. It may be, and, and you may be thinking like, is he talking about a shot? Is he talking not about a shot? You do whatever you want with a shot. I don't care about a shot. Right now, I don't care about a shot. Do whatever you want. You feel convicted to take it? Well, hey, take it. You feel you don't, you're not supposed to take it? Don't take it. Don't take it. But here's the principle. Christians need to learn how to stand. Need to learn how to stand. Because other things are on their way to challenge you and your faith and your relationship with Jesus. I promise you this. I promise you this. You don't believe me. Simply just read the book of Revelation. There will come a day. Now, I don't know where you stand rapture-wise and all that good stuff. I'm a pre-trib guy. Um, we could talk about it, but I, that's just where I stand. I find myself in, in my own personal studies. I align myself with pre-trib guy. If I'm wrong, no big deal. I hope it's a mid-trip thing. I don't understand the post-tribbers. I don't get you guys at all. I do not get you at all. I don't know where you're coming from theologically, but okay. Gluttons for punishment. I don't know, but um, I'm, either, I'm, I'm, I'm solid with the pre-trib, the mid-trib before it gets really bad. I don't know why we even have to, whatever. But there's going to be rules that are thrown down where we see what they went through and Daniel chapter 3 will be a reality and is becoming a reality in the world in which we live. Now, you might be thinking like, oh, no, you're getting way too in times and all that. No, this is true, guys. We know this to be true. Just because it's not happening kind of within our country doesn't mean it's not existing on this planet. There are plenty of people on this planet, brothers and sisters of ours, who are faced with the Daniel chapter 3 scenario in their lives on a daily basis today. You worship this thing or you die. They're making those choices every single day. And I promise you this, it's coming for our country as well. It's coming for our nation as well. So here's what you do. Do, do we run? Do we hide? Do, no, you don't. You learn how to stand. You learn how to stand because if you'll compromise in this little thing, then they will get you to compromise in the bigger things. Learn how to stand. Now these are the days to stand, to make a stand. What do I need to stand for, James? Well, pray. You need to be praying. Pray about those things that are challenging. What, you and your belief? No, no, no. Pray about those things that are, that, that are coming down the pipe that are challenging God, that are challenging him, that are challenging his word, that are challenging his son that he sent to this world to die for all of us sinners. The world hates that message. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're walking through the book of Daniel together, and it's quite an interesting book to cover. From fiery furnaces to strange visions to having a faith that goes against society enough to be thrown to the lions, the book of Daniel is anything but boring. In fact, we hope your faith is spurred on because of what you read and learn in this book. If you need to hear this message again or would like to catch up on previous teachings, visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab and feel free to explore a variety of verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary in Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come and visit. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our Wednesday night Bible study starts at 7 p.m. You're welcome to join us anytime. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, visit breadforthebroken.com. You can also get directions there. We're excited to meet you and spend time in worship with you. That's all the time that we have for today, but we're so glad that you listened in to hear from God's Word. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Daniel and gear up for what's ahead in this prophetic book. It's almost like a roller coaster ride where you're not sure what's around the next corner, but what you'll come to find out is rather thrilling, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.